Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. For Jesus saved my soul that night. I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Romans, the book of Romans in chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. We're just going to do a little scatter shooting today. Never know where we're going to end up. But I want to try to give you something that I kind of reminisce a little bit over the years. Trying to keep my focus on what I'm supposed to do. Because it gets difficult at times. If all we like sheep have gone astray, it's easy to lose direction. And I had to make some decisions over the years. And I've even had some people that will question, if not my doctrine, my motive. And so you got to decide now, do I want to please people or do I want to please God? So I had to decide, I'm going to try to my best to please the Lord. If people agree, that's fine. If they don't, well then, so be it. I want just like everybody, I want to be liked. Don't you want people to like you? You know you do. What do you want, people to hate you? You want people to like you. But sometimes we don't always do the things that people agree with. And I have had many times of preaching over the years, a lot of different types of messages. So surely I'm going to preach a sermon that not everybody perfectly is going to agree with. I had somebody write on the YouTube thing and says, you know, that Yankee Arnold, he sure is good on everything in the Bible, but the rapture. He just doesn't seem to get it. Does that mean that I don't believe in the rapture? No, I believe in the rapture, but... He doesn't really have it in the right spot. So everything that I'm doing is so wonderful. So I thought, no, I haven't had enough of this. (laughs) So I just put in there and replied to it. If I am so good on all these other areas, is it possible I might be right on that also? And when did you become my authority to tell me that I'm right on everything except this? Because that's what. You disagree with? And I uh, put on there, I says, I'm getting to be an old man. One of these days, I'm going to get to see the Lord. And what are you going to say when he tells you, Yankee was right? 
I typed that in there, but I sent it to him. <laughs> he, he sent a nice reply back. <laughs> he, he did. And uh, he was very kind and nice. And so uh, anyway, we laughed about it. But ever since we had this call to put on a the video in um, Colorado, because that's where their home base is in Colorado Springs. And so I gave them the permission to do that, but I put out a little thing saying that's where it was going to be and for people to listen to it. If they had some people that are maybe not saved, they might listen to it and trust the Lord. Would you know I've already got criticism from that? I shouldn't be on James Dobson's show because James Dobson's not clear on the Lord, on the gospel and stuff. Well, I never really checked and really haven't thought about it. Really don't care too much. Because he's going to do his thing and I'm going to do my thing. But wouldn't you want these people that don't believe exactly like we believe on the gospel to hear it? Wouldn't you like to sit down with them and talk to them and explain the gospel where they could hear it and understand it? We never know who's going to be listening to us. I was in uh, Texas in the Sword of the Lord conference with Dr. Curtis Hudson. And um, Lee Patton was having his a Christian school come over to his church and uh, from Liberty Baptist Church. And so they had all these kids in there. And uh, Lee asked me if I would speak to all these kids. Well, I like talking to kids. Of course, they squimish a little bit when I tell them how I cut off the dog's tail, <laughs> things like that. And, uh, but the kids said that and really enjoyed the story. But, uh, you know, the older folks are more dignified, and so they don't like me telling those kind of stories. And, uh, but I, I do it anyway. There's just a little small streak of meanness in me. And um, so anyway, I did it anyway. And when I did, I didn't know that Dr. Curtis Hudson was in Lee's study. And he was listening to me over the intercom. And so I went ahead and I gave the gospel and told what the gospel was. I told him that it was not by you know, turning from your sin and so forth. I went through and explained that and that it was works for salvation. And then I talked about lordship salvation. I explained that you don't have to make Christ the Lord the master of your life. A lot of things, what we should do, don't have to do. And you don't have to live right. No, we should, that's good, but not to get to heaven. Anyway, I preached a sermon on it and uh, got through with it. And I preached a couple more times with him. And anyway, we came home. And I wanted to have a surprise Sunday, so we had a surprise song, and we had a surprise special, and I've had a surprise special speaker, and a surprise seat in the auditorium, and a surprise parking space. Whoever happened to sit in the right spot, see, or put the car, they got a surprise, but they don't know it until, you know, church service starts, and we've already picked out certain things ahead of time, so everybody come because it's going to be a surprise. And uh, anyway... You know you can make people mad about something like that? You sit in my seat. <laughs> That's my parking space. And uh, it's interesting serving the Lord. I don't have any problem with the lost people. It's always the Christians. The Christians. Now, serving the Lord is fun. It, it's, it's dealing with people. If you didn't have to deal with people, everything would be fine with them. But lo and behold, we have to but Dr. Curtis Hudson got a hold of that message, and he didn't tell me about it. And he got information from Betty, and next thing you know, I go to the mailbox to get out of 
the mail, and there in the sword of the Lord was my picture on the front page and that sermon that I had preached to some little kids. Now, who have ever dreamed in that little church, just with a, a few little kids in Christian school, down in San Antonio, next thing you know, it goes to 750-something churches around the country, overseas, it went all over the world, at one little bitty message. Not long after that, Dr. Curtis Hudson, he wrote me a nice letter. Now, I've got it. I've shown it different times. He had 43 people who wrote in in the month of August. This is four months later after I preached it. Four months later, 43 people wrote in that one month saying that they trusted Christ as Savior. Reading my sermon. 43. And he says, I don't know how many before that. He said, this is just for the month of August. And people actually wrote in and said they trusted Christ as Savior. So you never know what you're going to do that somebody's going to hear. Now, one day here, I preached a sermon on Jesus, the greatest of all time. Don't you believe he's the greatest of all time? And a lot of discussion goes on about who's the greatest. I mean, here's the battle between Jack Nicholas and Tiger Woods and Yankee Arnold. Who's the greatest golfer of all time? Well, regardless of how good and great they are, they're still just just men. And remember Cassius Clay? I'm the greatest of all time. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. My name is Muhammad Ali. But he's not the greatest of all time. He's just the best maybe of a man, but he's still just a man. And he's a dead man now. Think of all the people that are considered to be great. But, you know, people make somebody else great. They are the one that lifts you up. And if all the people got behind and says, you know, it's, it's that Bob Gilbert. And everybody could start praising Bob Gilbert all over the nation and make Bob Gilbert a great man. But he's no greater than he is if he's sitting right here. That's what people can do. People can give honor and they can take it away. They can give praise and take it away. And they can give glory and take it away. And some people live their whole lives for the glory of man. And they can have it all taken away. But the Bible says that if you'll live for him, that when you get to heaven, he can give you all the praise, the honor, and glory. And no man can ever take that away from you. So it all depends on where your hope is. Is your hope coming from people in the world or is it coming from the Lord? Do When you want praise for whatever you do, you want it from people or you want it from the Lord? Now, if you want it from the Lord, you'll have to wait a while. Now, if you want it now, you're going to have to get up and, like I told people, I got it from Dr. Hudson. Unless thou toot thine own horn, it shall forever remain in the state of untootedness. So some people just know that they got to just toot their own horn. But here in the book of Romans, you thought I forgot about Romans, didn't you? Uh, chapter 5. And you'll notice there is a couple of verses here. In verse 1, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. And the reason we have peace with God, because we were enemies with God. But Jesus went and paid for that which was between us and God, which was our sins. So Christ paid for my sins, and I accepted the payment. And so there's nothing between me and my Savior now. So I have been justified by God. Therefore, I can have peace between me and God. I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven because all my sins are paid. 
but I'm not dead yet. God may give me a few more years to live. So he says in verse 2, By whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now we know that the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 3, just a couple of chapters back, he talked about all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now he's talking about us as we stand before God in grace, we have hope of, as he says here, of this grace. We have rejoicing in hope of this glory of God. You see, now I have the perfection of God given to me. Now look what else he says. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience, experience. So as we live our life, we're going through trials and tribulations, and as we go through them, we're going to gain through these experiences to learn how to trust the Lord and wait on God. And so we have to learn this thing called patience. You can't make some things happen. You can't rush God. God is not in, well, he doesn't live in Panicville. And he doesn't care how panicked you are. Like David prayed, Lord, help me speedily. What he means is right away. I mean, I mean, I need help now. But living your life with your hope in the Lord is one of the greatest things you and I can ever do. I, um, at one time, had no hope. I live without hope. And I want you to just look at that verse because it means a lot to me. In the book of Ephesians in chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Look in verse 11. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to them about those that are saved and, and those that are lost. So he says in verse 11, Wherefore, remember... That you've been in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision. In other words, Jews and Gentiles. And then in verse 12, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. And see the next three words there? Having no hope. Having no hope and without God in this world. To be in a position to live in this world without God and without hope. I don't know what I would have done if I had not come along in 1960 and heard the gospel from Betty's dad. And I trust the Lord. Because I did not know the Lord. I had no real hope of anything in this world. And after he led me to Christ and he began to teach me a few things about the Bible and the importance of of walking with the Lord. And I had to have a reason for doing so. And I wasn't always clear in my mind. And he didn't always know exactly how to explain everything clearly to me. He did the best he could. He taught me a lot of things about the Bible. But I didn't want to live my life without accomplishing what God wanted to accomplish in my life. And I was afraid that I was going to live my life and never accomplish what God had intended. And that was going to be a great loss and something I did not want to experience. I didn't want to go through that. So I got to where I did a lot of praying and talking to the Lord. And that I wanted to have something. Now I want you to take your Bible, just turn to the left to the book of Galatians in chapter 6. I mentioned a couple of these here things here in Sunday school this morning. 
But it's because I have a choice just like everybody else does. I can walk in the spirit or walk in the flesh. You say, what does that mean? Well, walking in the spirit doesn't mean float through the air like a haint. It means simply walking in obedience to the word of God. You allow the Holy Spirit of God that lives within you to teach you the word and then walk in obedience to the word of God. And so the Holy Spirit is holy and he, he never leads you contrary to the will of God. And he never leads you to do that which is ungodly. So he's always teaching us to do right. And he says, if we'll do the things that God says us to do, then we won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. In other words, I open up the refrigerator and I look in there and I see a piece of chocolate cake. Nice big piece of chocolate cake and a couple of chocolate eclairs beside it. And I look over here and I see a piece of chicken. And I'm hungry. My eyes can get big looking at that piece of cake. And chocolate eclairs. But that desire is big. But if I go ahead and I take that piece of chicken that's supposed to be a lot of good protein for me. And I eat the chicken. That chicken will probably be better for me than that other. So if I eat enough of this chicken. And next thing you know that little chicken leg's gone. Well there's a chicken breast. I'll eat the chicken breast too. Well I'm still hungry. Well, there's a thigh. I'll eat the thigh too. Well, there's a neck. I'll eat the neck, too. There's, uh, just eat the whole thing. If I'm still hungry, eat the bones, too. After all, I'm so full. I'm so full, I couldn't eat another bite. I don't care if it was eclair or chocolate pie or chocolate cake. If you fill your life so full with the things that God says to do, you won't have to worry about all the things you're not supposed to do. See, sometimes people get in trouble because they just let the desires of the flesh control their life. And so you're going to have problems. So then in chapter 6 here in the book of Galatians, he makes this statement. In verse 7, be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. There's two things to keep in mind. The consequences of walking in the flesh. The consequences of walking in the Spirit. So there's results down the road. And you can have whichever one you want. And so you're going to reap what you sow. But it's not just... Reaping what you sow if you do the things that are bad. Because a lot of times we do and teach in the Word of God, we, we just want to keep people out of trouble. Keep them doing all the right things they should do. Well, whenever you teach them that, you're letting them know that, uh, how do you mock God? Well, you mock sin. When you believe that you can sin against God and no consequences. It's not going to be that bad. Well, God says, don't mock God. Because there's a penalty to be paid. Now going to heaven, yes, that's free. That's the gift of God. But I'm not there yet. In my life, God wants me to live the way he wants me to live. And now I don't have to live like a person who doesn't know God and that has no hope. Well, as long as you have the Lord, you should have hope. And this hope is this joyful, anticipating of God fulfilling 
his word and you believe it. And so it's not like, well, I, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. No, it becomes security for you because you believe the promises of God, the word of God. And so if a man walks in the flesh, don't fool yourself. Don't deceive yourself. You sow seeds that, well, if you sow cotton, what's going to come? You're going to have cotton. If you sow corn, you're going to have corn. If you sow wickedness, you're going to reap wickedness. You're going to reap what you sow. And if you don't want that, then don't sow that. And the thing is, is sowing and is present and reaping is always down the road. And so the law of the harvest is, is uh, you reap what you sow and you reap later than you sow and you reap more than you sowed because seeds multiply. And so some people are today suffering the consequences of decisions they made years ago. And so they just forget about it and sow more bad seed because the results of it is going to be on down the road. So they wind up living a whole life of misery because they thought they could mock God. You know, do it and get away with it. And God says, no. Now, the other side of this coin is that he makes the other statement here in verse 7. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh, that's a Christian who has the choice. See, a lost man doesn't have a choice. The Christian has a choice. He can sow to the flesh or he can sow to the spirit. And if you sow to the spirit, you're going to have something that's going to last for eternity. You sow to the flesh, you're going to lose everything you've ever worked for. Everything in this world that you work for, you're going to lose. It's not going to last. But whatever you do for the Lord and whatever treasures you lay up in heaven, you're going to have for ever and ever and ever. So he says, don't mock God. Don't, don't think for a moment that here you are as a child of God and you can say, I'm going to dedicate my life to the Lord and you start, start doing the things that are right and you start going to church because God says to meet with other believers and you start giving the way God wants you to because he wants you to learn how to sacrifice. He wants you to learn how to give. He wants you to learn how to love. He wants you to learn how to be involved in all these things. Don't ever think that's all in vain. Because then you begin, as a Christian, seeking to do the right thing, begin to mock God. It's just it's not the lost man walking in the flesh that mocks God. It can be the believer who walks in the spirit and then think it's not worth it and becomes faint. That's why he says there in verse 9, let us, this is the believer, not be weary in well-doing. It means you're doing well, but don't lose hope because this hope is... I'm looking beyond this life, and it will be worth it all. And whatever sacrifices you make, whether anybody knows about it or not, doesn't matter. Why? Because God sees everything that we do. He sees when we walk in the flesh, and he sees when we walk in the spirit. It means we walk in obedience to God, or we walk in disobedience. And every Christian has the same choice, the same battles to face. And so if you'll do what God says do, that anticipation of God fulfilling his promise to you as his child is the hope that you need to bring you through so that you don't have a I quit attitude. Now, I've mentioned this before, but I'll share it with you again. Because when I had gone to Boca Raton to see this camp in 1964, that's where I met Hank Lindstrom, Nettie Williamson and 
you know, a whole bunch of people. And I was so impressed because they had such clarity on the gospel. They had such anticipation of joy to witness to people and to talk to them. And I was just overwhelmed with all of this. I sat there in that big auditorium that night. Ezra, I forgot his last name, Ara something. He was the one that was running Bible Town. And he did football devotion for a lot of the football teams. And they had a big, beautiful auditorium there. And so on a certain night, like a Friday night, they had all the people in the town that come together. And Ray and all of them, the Firehouse Five like we have, they would put on a concert. And I'm talking about it was awesome. And then we had, at that time, about four or 500 kids that would come to camp because all they had was that hot box that they had, didn't have an air condition. And so they would put on a program. And I sat way back in the back corner. And I sat there, and I had tears in my eyes. And I kept thinking, I wish Betty was here. Oh, I wish Betty was here. I wish she was here to see what I see. And it probably was not that impressive to a lot of people. But I'm sitting there because, remember, I didn't come from anything good. I wasn't raised in a church. I'd never seen anything exciting about the things of the Lord. And now here I am sitting there and I see all these teenagers and I see these people up there. And I think, man, I wish I could do something like that. And it created a desire. It created a hope. And so I went back and I told Betty, I says, honey, I'm coming to Florida Bible College. I had just been hired by Tennessee Temple to be the first full-time soul winner for Tennessee Temple. And I walked away from it. I'm not saying I did everything right, but I was overwhelmed. And I saw greater hope. I can do this. I can do what some of these other kids are doing. And I wanted to do something. I didn't want to just, you know, die on the vine. I didn't want to be a branch that just set aside. I wanted my life to be fruitful. And I saw, I convinced myself, I just want to be a soul winner. Even when I went to Bible college, I didn't have any desire for anything else. I wasn't interested in being a, a preacher, a pastor, or nothing like that. I just want to win people to Christ. I just want to get people from here to there. And so that became my hope. That's what I worked toward. That's why I memorized verses. That's why I wanted to work in ranch. Everything was geared toward, I just want to get more people to trust the Lord. And that night, when I walked into my little room to get my stuff out and get on the bus and head back to Tennessee. I saw Ray Stanford going across the lawn after the meeting that night. And I says, I'd love to come to Bible college, but I, I, I don't have a place to stay. And I says, if I could find a place to stay, I'll, I'll be down for school. And I have a wife and two kids. And so he said he'd be praying for me. I went and got my stuff out of the room and I went outside and I kept waiting for a guy named Linton Fowler to show up because Linton Fowler, he had a home and he'd probably give me a place to stay. But he wasn't there. He had already left for Miami. And this is up in Boca Raton. And I thought, Lord, everything's a mess. I'm, I'm so in turmoil. N- nothing fits together. It seemed like everything's always conflicting. And I says, Lord, I got to talk to him. Or I can't solve this problem to solve another problem and so forth. And lo and behold, the guy on the bus that was getting ready to pull out, he says, Yankee, we've got to get going. We've got to go. 
I said, all right. So I walked over to the bus, and I was getting ready to put my foot on the bus, and all of a sudden I heard a car horn. And here come Linton Fowler, and he was just uh, speeding up. <laughs> and he got up there, he put on the brakes, he says, Yankee, boy, I needed to see you before you got on that bus. Well, what was I hoping? To see him before I got on that bus. Have you ever heard that faith without works is dead? Or have you ever read James chapter 2? Does your faith produce good works? Some teach that if you don't serve the Lord, you're not saved. Is that true or false? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book. Or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace.